right in the middle of a series called Unlimited. It's just been an awesome series for my life. I've enjoyed teaching and preaching, and we're getting right to the heart of it. Um, and this is basically it, that we believe um, that there's sometimes, for most of us, there is a tension uh, between who God says that we are, right? There's a tension. God says, this is who you are, and this is who you can be. There's a lot of promises from God. And, and as we read those things, and we kind of go through those things, we realize that sometimes in our life, uh, that who God says that we are, and, um, and some of those promises, it doesn't seem to really line up, you know? And God says that we're more than conquerors in Christ. Well, Sometimes we don't always feel like conquerors. And he says that we've got power over sin, but sometimes it just feels like sin's got power over us. And so as we, we've kind of moved through this, this is a tension that, that we exist, uh, that exists in many of our lives a lot of the times. And I mean, this is something that isn't new. This was something that Paul kind of he taught about. And um, it was something that was a concern for Paul. And so in Ephesians, he kind of, he kind of tackles this. And he, he started the whole thing off um, with this one statement. It, verses is 3, 14 through 20. And we kind of condensed um, those six verses down into this one statement um, that it, and this is Paul's primary point, and it was this. It was that God is unlimited, um, and out of that unlimitedness, God empowered us through his spirit so that we could experience the love of Christ, and when we experience the love of Christ, that is the thing that makes us complete, um, and in that completion, we have the fullness of life and the power of God. That was, that was what he says. He goes, this is true in every single believer's life. This is true in every single uh, one of our lives. God is unlimited, and he has empowered us through his spirit to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And that love of Jesus Christ has made us complete. And we possess within ourselves the fullness of life and the power of God. He says, that's true for every single believer in this room, that that is what is open to your life, that is what is open to your heart, that is what is in your realm of possession, the fullness of life and the power of God. He says, but there's still that tension between, okay, if that's true, why doesn't it feel like that day to day? Why don't I feel like I can live like that day to day? Why are there some days and there's some seasons and there's some weeks and there's some months and sometimes there's some years where it just seems like I don't have the fullness of life, I don't have any life, I don't have any satisfaction, I don't have any joy, and I definitely don't have the power of God, you know, moving in my life. I just don't feel like I'm walking effectively. I don't feel like I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. I feel like I, I, I see people who are and I just, I'm, that's not me, I'm not doing it. He says, though, there's this tension. And he says, he starts to try to erase this tension. He says, I want you to understand something. This is Paul saying, I want you to understand that this is true. God is unlimited. All right, God is unlimited. He has unlimited resources. Some translation is an abundance of riches or an abundance of resources. He's unlimited in his power. And through the Spirit and through Christ, we possess the fullness of life and the power of God. And, and Paul says, in light of this fact, he says, in light of this fact, he goes, and then he shares one of the most, to me, one of the most powerful, practical scriptures in the Bible. He says, in light of this fact, he goes, be careful, this is in Ephesians, be careful the way that you live. Be careful with the way that you walk. He says, walk with wisdom. Don't be unwise, be wise. He says, and wise people, they make the most of every single opportunity that comes up in their life. He says, they make the most of it. Some of your scriptures say it redeems the times. He says, you got to make the most of every opportunity. And if you want to make the most of every opportunity, he says, this is how you do it. He says, this is what the Lord's will is. Uh, don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. And we went through all of that. And this was our conclusion, that God said, we want you to continually be filled with the Spirit. That that word, being filled with the Spirit, right, it literally means be being filled. Always being filled. Continually being filled. I mean, if this is your first Sunday here, if, this, if you're a visitor or if you've missed a few weeks or you fell asleep, all of these messages that we're kind of reviewing are online so you can go and watch those or download our app I mean, get on that. But that, this is the things that we've kind of go over the last few weeks. So I want you to understand that this is, he says, this is the will of God. 
that you continually are filled with the Spirit of God, that you are continually be being filled. You are being filled over and over and over again in every opportunity by the Spirit of God. And we said last week, this is what puts us in a kind of a weird spot because this is a command from God to continually be filled with the Spirit, but we cannot in ourselves fill us with the Spirit, right? right? We're not the source. God is the source. And so we said the only way that we can live a lifestyle where we are continually being filled is to approach the source, is to go to the source, to stay connected to the source. And we learn, and this is, again, one of this, my favorite things about God is he says that in Christ, in him, right, in him and through faith in him, we have the freedom and the confidence to approach the source anytime, anywhere, anyhow, we want. That's what we have gained in Christ. And that's, that was kind of the, the main point from last week is that we have the power. We have the ability. Christ has given us. It's not because of anything we do. Not because I'm special. Not because we're special. Not because we're powerful. Not because, you know, we matter more than others. But because of what Christ has done on the cross, we have the ability to approach God to approach the source with complete freedom and confidence, meaning anywhere we go. Right now, in this very moment, we can stand on this stage, and you guys you guys can start focusing in your heart and your mind on God, and we could approach the source right here, right now. You could go home. You could leave the church, get in your car, drive home, and on the way home, just begin to focus your heart on God and approach the source. We have complete freedom and confidence in God to approach the source. And then we said, listen, this is, this is, the, this is one of the greatest things that we've gained on the cross, right? The cross did not exist just to free us from sin. The cross existed to free us from sin so that we could be in a legitimate, powerful, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And he, he bought us the right to approach God anytime we wanted. And it's one of those things where, where we value so many things. I mean, if, we were, if you guys were to meet uh, with some high-up politician, or you were to, were to meet with the CEO of your company, or you were to meet uh, with some kind of you know, big manager, big boss, you would consider that a what? A privilege right? A privilege because you respect that. And what this is saying and what Paul is saying and what Jesus Christ got for us is that we have the ability to meet with the CEO of the whole daggum universe anytime we want, right? Anytime we want, you can meet. Just for a second, I want you to just contemplate on that. You could get up this morning, got down beside your bed or stayed in your bed, complete freedom and confidence, and you could have communicated with, talked with, approached the creator of the universe, right? But you chose to get up and go play video games or something, right? And so because of that, we ended this last week with this question. This was a big question. Who do you really want to be? Who do you really want to be? Because this matters. This matters. Because the fact is, and people can argue with me all day long, but the fact is, whoever you want to truly be the most is what is going to dictate your priorities in your life. It's going to dictate your schedule. It's going to dictate your calendar. It's going to dictate your finances. It's going to dictate the way that you spend the time that you have in this life, who you really want to be. And so we ended it with that question, who do you really want to be? Do you really want to be a truly effective follower of Jesus Christ? Do you really want to be in relationship with God? Do you really want to be the husband that God has called you to be? Do you really want to be the wife that God has called you to be? Do you really want to be the servant, right? the warrior, the preacher, the teacher, the missionary, the witness? Right? Do you really want to be that thing 
that person, that man, that woman that God wants you to be? Do you really want to be filled with the Spirit? Continually filled with the Spirit? Or do you, just in case the hell thing is real, want to get in enough Sundays, right, so that you can get your one-way ticket to heaven? It's a big question. It's a big question. God says, who who do you want to be? Because if you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be an effective Christian, if you want to walk in the Spirit and the power of God, there is nothing in this life preventing you from doing that except approaching the source not being a priority in your life. We said last week there's three ways to approach the source. Communication with God or prayer. Studying His Scriptures and His Word and then meeting together, going to church, meeting together together. In the, in the name of Christ. Whether that life groups or that Sunday morning church or that's uh, you sitting down in a coffee shop with somebody just, you know, having a Bible study. Whatever that looks like. He said, those are the three ways that we can... That, and, and this morning, I just want to take this Sunday. I just want to take this Sunday to talk about, to me, one of the most powerful ideas in human existence. You guys are lucky you're here for today. All right. I believe that what we're going to talk about today is one of the most powerful ideas in human existence. And that is prayer. It's communication with God. We hit on it last week, but I just want to talk. This is the primary, most valid, most important way to approach the source, to approach God through prayer. Now, here, here's the problem. Is, is a lot of you guys are sitting here this morning. A lot of you guys, you've been walking with God for a long time. You've been saved for a long time. You've been going to church for a long time. And, 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 and you pray for your food. And you pray. And you got this idea. And you've heard preachers say your whole life to pray. And it's something you kind of do sometimes. But it's something you kind of don't do sometimes. And, but here's what I, I want. I want to just take a second. And I want to talk to you maybe in a different way maybe than you've ever heard of prayer. Because my, my fear is, is that a lot of the newer Christians, right, a lot of the people, you, you've just come back to church in the last little while. You, you haven't really had a strong relationship with Christ or you have a very new relationship with Christ. It's going to be easy for you to hear some of this stuff. But for the, for the older Christians or for the, the people who've walked with God for a long time, the people who've gone to church for a long time, this is going to be hard for you to stay tuned into this because you've heard people talk about prayer your whole life. My, my, my problem is, is that you're still not praying. Right? Prayer is still not a part of your life. Communicating is still not a part of your life. And this is one of the things, that, and we ask the question, remember, there's a tension between who God says we should be and who God says that we are and the promises of God and the life that we actually live. And the whole goal of this series is to erase that tension between who God says you are and who you actually are so that we can stop faking it and being religious and we can actually become effective, believing Christians who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our goal of this series, is to tap into the unlimitedness of God, right? That's That's the goal of the series. And so one of the things that I want you to understand is that if you don't feel in your life that you are walking daily in the power of God, if you don't feel in your life that you are walking powerfully in the Spirit and that being the husband that God calls you to be is truly who you are and being the father that God calls you to be is truly who you are and the mother and the wife and the child and the servant and you still haven't found your purpose and you still feel like you're missing, I'm about to tell you one of the primary reasons why you feel like something is missing in your life is because something is missing in your life. And for many of us, it is prayer. It's prayer. Prayer is a part of the design. Communicating with the God of the universe, it's a part of the design. It's not something that for pastors, like we have this mentality that like, okay, really, really, really mature Christians pray, right? Pastors pray, teachers pray, 
pray. That's kind of your job. That's what you get paid for. But I, I just go to church. I'm just a Christian. Prayer doesn't really have to be a part of my life. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to prove to you this morning that prayer absolutely has to be a part of your life. If you have any genuine desire to be any kind of effective Christian at all, period. Going to church does not empower you to walk in the Spirit without prayer. All right? I want, you, I, I want to say this one thing, and then I want you to get real mad at me, and then I'm going to prove you wrong. This is something I enjoy in my life, and sometimes it's sinful. Maybe it is now, I don't know. God will never move in your life without prayer. All right? God will never move in your life without prayer. You will not grow as a Christian without prayer. Your marriage, when it comes to truly honoring God with your marriage, doesn't have a chance in Hades without prayer. You becoming the man or the woman that God has called you to be will never happen without prayer. You will never be able to raise your kids in the power of the Spirit of God without prayer. You will never find your purpose and accomplish that purpose that you were put on this earth to do without prayer. All right? Never. It is impossible. Why? Because prayer is a part of the design of God. It's the way that he, it's a part, the same way that I wake up every day and I have to eat something and drink water because in a few days I'll die without it. That's the same exact way that God has designed prayer for the Christian. Right? You have to have prayer. You cannot approach the source of God without prayer, without communication. And let me just, before I get into the main points that matter, let me just ask you this question. Think about somebody that you're in relationship with. Maybe your marriage, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's acquaintance. Maybe it's somebody in your life, maybe it's somebody you just, you just begun a relationship with them by saying hello to them or shaking their hand. I want you to add, the definition, by definition, relationship is what? Right? It's the concept of how two things, primarily people, are connected. So in order for you to be in relationship with someone or somebody, you have to be connected in some way. If you are not connected in some way, then you are by definition what? Not in relationship with that person or that thing. So what is your relationship with Jesus Christ if you take away the idea of communication? I mean, what is your relationship with Jesus Christ if there is no communication between you and the one that created you and the one that saved you? By definition, not, I'm not judging you, I'm just saying, by definition, you don't have a relationship. Right? See, some of you guys, you've based your relationship on God through this church and through me. Or you've based your relationship on God through some other preacher, some other teacher. You've based your relationship on God through going to church and your parents. Or you've based your relationship on God through going to church sometimes and your husband and your wife. But I'm gonna tell you something. By definition of the word, you cannot be in relationship with something that you do not communicate to, that you do not communicate with, that you, being in constant communication with them, you cannot, it's not that, oh, I, I have a weak relationship. You don't have a relationship. By that thing, I think, I'm like, listen, you know, this is obviously before I was dating Courtney or marrying, married to, I'm married to her, not dating her. <laughs> this is before I knew her, 
right? I mean, I could come on this stage and by, your, by some of your lifestyles with God, I could be like, you know what? I was in a relationship with Jennifer Aniston. I mean, she's hot. Let's just face it. She's an attractive female. I was in a relationship with her. What, now, what if I just begin to tell you that? One, you'd be like, you're a liar. You don't have a shot because you're not Brad Pitt. I know some of you are thinking almost, but not quite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm too chubby to be Brad Pitt. <laughs> right? But, it, but based off your definition, listen, listen I, I know about Jennifer Aniston. I know about her life. I watched Friends growing up. Right? I read tabloids sometimes when I'm standing in line. I mean, I know what's going on. I, I, know, I know her emotions. I, I know her. I know about her. Right? So I'm in a relationship with her. I'm going to put that all over my Facebook. Yeah, I used to date Jennifer Aniston. But you would say, man, you're insane. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. You're a liar. Why? Because I've never had a single ounce of real communication with Jennifer Aniston. And no matter how many letters I wrote, she never wrote me back. I didn't really do that. Right? Do you see my point? Right? This is one of the things. You've got to stop fooling yourselves. Because I hear people say this all the time. They sit down and they go, well, yeah, I know prayer and, and reading the Bible. I, know, I, got, I get that. I get that. But, but what, what do I need to do? Pray. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. Pray, right, pray. Christian answer, you're a pastor, thanks. But what, you know, give me some stuff to do. Pray. I think it was Oswald Chambers that said, listen, prayer is not the means to some greater work. Like prayer is the greater work. Right. Jesus Christ died so that you could have a relationship with him. He died so that you could have the freedom and the confidence to approach God through prayer, to communicate with the creator of the universe. If this isn't a part of your life, then you are not operating and living in the design that God made. So I just want to play a game real fast. If we were to just completely unbiasedly read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you don't know anything. I just pretend that I don't know anything. I know that's not hard for most of you, but just pretend that I don't, I don't know anything. I don't have any prior knowledge. I don't, I've never been taught anything. I have, I'm just going to read Genesis to Revelation. I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm just going to read it and draw a conclusion on prayer. If you're going to read it unbiasedly, unbiasedly, Genesis to Revelation, this is the conclusion that I would have to come to, and I have, and I believe that this is true. I would have to believe that God is, is sovereign, all-powerful. Uh, King of kings, Lord of lords, in control, he's the man. Right. And I don't think that he is bound by our prayers at all. But I think that within his sovereign design, just if I were just to read it unbiasedly, I would have to conclude beyond the shadow of a doubt that prayers move God. I would have to believe that. I would have to look into that, and I would have to say that even to the point that God will not move without prayer. Right? What's the famous, and this, this scripture gets quoted all the time, and it gets sung about all the time, and, and I kind of wish people wouldn't talk about it all the time because I feel like we lose the power behind it, but I mean, what, what does he say in, in, in Second Chronicles when he says, listen, if you, if you humble yourselves before me, if you pray, if you seek my face, I will hear you, and then I will heal your land. There's two or three things that are true in this statement. One, God is powerful. He's powerful before you prayed. He's powerful after you prayed. You're still in trouble, right? He said, I'm going to come heal your land. You're still in sin. You're still walking ineffectively. You're still struggling. That's true. 
That's true before you pray. The difference is, is that when you pray, then God moves into your life. Did God not have the ability to do it until you prayed? No, he just said, I'm not going to do it until you pray. Now, I want you to think about that. What if that is actually true most of the time? What if that's true most of the time? I have the ability. I want to. I'm just not going to until you pray. I want you to grow as a Christian. I want you to grow as a father. I want you to grow as a mother, as a husband. I want 2016 uh, to be full of blessing. I want 2016 to be full of joy and satisfaction. I want you to find your purpose. I'm just not going to allow you to until you pray. Think about it. I'm going to give you three very, very biblical reasons why this is true, and I want you to listen to me on this. Number one, prayer is the ultimate act of faith. Prayer is the ultimate act of faith. All throughout Scripture, faith. Abraham, faith. Jesus, faith. John the Baptist, faith. Peter, Paul, all those, faith. It's faith in Christ. It's faith in God. It's faith. What is the most powerful act of faith in existence, if you really think about it? Please tell me you've been paying attention. It's prayer. Obviously prayer. Right? We switch the message. Left turn. Let's go somewhere totally different. It's prayer, and here's why. Raise your hand if you have seen God with your own eyes, like on a semi-regular basis. I mean, raise your hand. I mean, maybe this happened. I don't know. Maybe raise your hand. If, if you and God audibly speak to one another on a regular basis, like you hear him audibly, he like sits in the car next to you. He's real. He's a human form. He, he's like, like you can hear his audible voice. I just want to, maybe one or two of us. Okay. Not me. I haven't. All right. So here's the deal. If you've never seen God with your physical eyes, and you felt his presence, and you never heard God audibly, most people haven't, right? then wouldn't the most powerful ultimate act of faith be bowing down and praying to that God that you have never seen and never heard? Right? Jesus is the famous, the famous uh, quote about faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Moves mountains. Good job, Isaiah. I love when our teenagers know the Bible. It means they're doing something right. Faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand this concept. Your faith doesn't actually move the mountains because you don't possess any power in you at all to move the mountain. Who's the only one on the planet in the universe that has the power to move the mountain? God, right? God is the omniscient one. He's the all-powerful one. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is God. God can move the mountain, right? It's your faith that moves God, who is the one that can move the mountain. It's your faith in God. See, the problem is for a lot of us, there are mountains in your lives, and you've tried everything in your power to move those mountains, there's issues and struggles going on in your marriage and going on in your family, and you're trying your best to, to climb over the mountain and, and get under the mountain and go around the mountain and move the mountain and blow the mountain up and cuss the mountain out and kick the mountain and do everything in your power and drink the mountain away and, and just do everything you can just to get, to get the mountain out of your life, and you just can't get the mountain out of your life. And you've done everything in your power to try to move this mountain, but you don't have the power within you to move the mountain. There's only one that has the power to move that mountain in your life, no matter what it is, and it's God. And what I'm telling you this morning is that God will not move that mountain out of your life 
until you through faith bow down to him and ask him to move the mountain. And only then will he hear you and he'll move the mountain because he's the only one with the power to move the mountain. See, a lot of you guys, you've been, you've been walking in the same sin. You've been struggling with the same addiction. You've been going through the same thing for years and years and years and years, and you've tried everything in your power to put this thing down. You've tried everything in your power to be able to walk away from this, and no matter how long you can seem to, in your own power, get away from it, it just seems to come back, and it just seems to always have a hold on your life. But praying about it on a regular basis and waging war on it through prayer it's something you've just never really done. Maybe you prayed once, maybe you prayed twice, maybe it's just that, but you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray until it is gone out of your life. That's the faith that God said we have. Prayer is the ultimate act of faith. What if I were to make a statement like this, that, that if you don't have enough faith to pray to God, why on earth would you have enough faith to actually live your life for God? If you don't have enough faith to pray, why would you ever think you would have enough faith to live? Right? And this, I heard a guy say this one time, and I almost wanted to uh, disagree with him, but the, the older I get, the more mature in Christ I get, the more and more I see that this is true, that you will never accomplish anything in life that you don't accomplish first in the prayer closet. Period. Period. If prayer is not a part of your marriage, if prayer is not a part of raising your kids, if prayer is not a part, God's not going to move within it. You're doing it in your own power and your own strength. And I think you've learned up to this point that it just doesn't seem to go well when you do things your own way without God. So the number one reason God's not going to move in your life without prayer is because prayer is the ultimate act of faith. And without it, how can you possibly live faithfully if you can't pray faithfully? Number two, prayer proves humility and dependency. It proves humility and dependency. The problem with us, and, and, and I, want you to, I want you to get the problem with us, is that we, we believe in ourselves so much, right? And we believe in humanity. We believe in our wisdom. We believe in our knowledge. I mean, and I say it all the time as a joke, but it's so true. Most of us on an everyday, day to day basis, you think just because it popped in your brain that it's right. I mean, just think about that one simple concept that's semi-funny, but it, how, how true it is, and it speaks to the arrogance of our hearts. Well, I'm thinking it, so it's true. This is what I want to do, so that's the thing to do. I think this is right, but that's what I think. But who cares what you think? You're one human in a room of maybe 300, in a church of maybe 50, in a one square mile, in a big state, in a big country, in a big continent, in a big world. Who cares what you think? But you do. And you still think, despite reality, See, this is how pride and arrogance works. It deceives us into thinking that we are genuine, but I'm thinking it. No, Jordan, you don't understand. I, I think this. I think that this is right. This is, so it's right, right? Well, the Bible says something different. No, but I, but I think this. Well, th but, but that's not how I feel. But it doesn't matter how you feel. It matters how God feels, Right? Pride will deceive you into thinking that you can do things that you just flat can't do. And let me just kind of, this is kind of, have you ever, do you guys remember, I know American Idol's like going out now, and I only watched like the first season or two, but do you remember, do you remember that, the, the funny little the, uh, Asian guy that, I remember his name was like something, something or another? Yeah, you said it. That guy. Everybody knows this guy. Why? Because he got on there. Worst singer imaginable. Worst singer imaginable. All right. I mean, Worst. But the man cried. 
because he genuinely believed he was good. When the whole world was like, no, nah, he's famous for being horrible now. All right? But in the moment, he cried because he genuinely, that's what pride does to you. You're that guy most of the time. I'm serious. I mean, most of the time, that is how we live, especially if we don't have a genuine prayer life. Because if you don't have a genuine prayer life, that means that you're not dependent on God. That means that you're saying, I can do it without him. And when you say, I can do it without him, then that means whether you ever want to admit it to me or not, that pride is a big part of your life, all of us. And when pride is a big part of your life, you get deceived into thinking some crazy junk. I still think that I can sing good. Truthfully, I do it from time to time and think of myself, everybody else in the world's tone deaf. <laughs> I just can't understand why they can't hear how good I hear myself. Right? I still think that sometimes. Right? Pride, it will, it, will, it will trick you. It will fool you. Prayer eliminates that out of your life. Prayer is a thing because when you come before God and you are persistent before God, it humbles you completely. I don't think that you can truly have a genuine prayer life and remain prideful and arrogant. Because as you begin to pray, as you begin to lay yourself before God, the Spirit of God begins to move in your life and it will naturally humble you more and more and more and more. Prayer is the ultimate act of humility and dependency. It is saying to God, I know that I can't do this on my own. I need you to step in and do your thing. I know. And see, here's the other thing. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm helping you. Hurt your feelings, but I'm going to help you. All right? You don't know what you don't know, but God does. All right? I want to think about it. You don't know what you don't know, but God does. All right? You think in your life, you, you think in your, and, I, and I'm, I just, I don't want to handle this too long. You think in your life, I can legitimately handle this thing called life without God, all right? But you, the greatest weaknesses in your life, most of us can see them, I promise you, because we talk about it, all right? But you don't see them in yourselves. That's because we are deceived by our nature, right? A lot of you guys, man, lying is just a huge part of your life, but you don't really see it, you wouldn't ever admit it, you don't believe it. But I'm gonna tell you something, when you begin to pray, God will reveal that to your life. One of the greatest prayers I've ever prayed in my life is, God, don't let me be deceived by on my own nature. You expose every ounce of sin in my life, something I pray on a regular basis. Expose every ounce of pride, every ounce of arrogance. Humble me. Break me on the rocks of life. That's literally a prayer I pray all the time because I am well aware that there are things in my life that will creep up that I will not see. You guys all may see them, but I won't see them. And so my prayer is, God, be God in my life, even the things that I can't see. See, that's what, it's ultimate humility. It's ultimate dependency. It's God, I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you are God, you are the creator, I'm the creation, and I can't do it without you. And so we pray and we communicate with God on every level. Number three, and this is the biggest one, the biggest one. Prayer gives God the glory. Prayer gives God's glory. This is the biggest one because I want you to hear me on this one. I know that you think, don't cry. I know that you think that in your relationship with God that you are the most important one, but you are not. In your relationship with God, God is the most important one. God is the most important one. All right. There's a, and I want, I want you to see this. This is something that God promises, and I want you to understand this. And, uh, in the Old Testament, he makes this statement. 
He says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. That is my name. And I will not yield my glory to anyone or praise to any idols. So I want you to understand this. If the other two didn't matter, this is the one that matters the most. God's simply never going to move in your life because he's the ultimate source. And he's never going to allow you to think that there is another source in this universe other than him. God is God. This is what he says. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the creator. I am the king. I am the father. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am God. I created the universe. That's my name. That's who I am. And I'm not going to yield for one second my glory to anyone or anything for any reason. For that reason alone, he will not move in your life until you pray. Because he will not let your life be tricked into thinking that there is something or someone greater than he is. Because there is no one on this planet, on this world, in this universe, there never has been and there never will be anyone greater than God. And the greatest thing that you could ever come, the greatest conclusion that you could ever make in this life is that God is exactly who he says he is. And then you live your life out of the fear and the enjoyment and the wonder of that great and amazing God. Sometimes the greatest weakness in this life is because you truly underestimate the greatness of the God that you say that you serve. Right? Part of the reason why, why we get so lost in the Christmas season is because we forget the truth, like the abundantly powerful truth of who Jesus Christ was and that why he came to the earth. The God of the universe came down and gave himself to us, right? But then we just kind of chill out. And we're like, oh, Santa Claus, presents, Christmas trees. Let's give presents to each other. Let's turn it into political war. And the reality of it is, it is a celebration that the great God of the universe gave himself to us to save us. And here's the thing. God will never move in your life until he gets the glory for that reality. Ever. See, when you come to God in prayer because he's the one, I just want you to imagine if, 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 if this is the, the only water in the whole wide world. Only water, this is it. This is that last little bit. That's it, that's it in the whole wide world. And it's in my possession. Who becomes the most powerful person on the planet? me. Bucket list, life check. Had a room of people say I was the most powerful person on the planet. All right. Tricked you guys. Seriously. Who's the most powerful person on the planet? Me. Who does the whole world desperately need? Me. Who should the world come and ask for the water? Me. Right? That's God. God is the one who is unlimited. God is the one with unlimited resources. He is all-powerful. See, and you, in your heart and in your mind, and sometimes in pride, sometimes in arrogance, sometimes in foolishness, we truly believe that the ultimate provider, the ultimate source is somewhere else in this earth, and we will find it somewhere else in this world, and the answer is we never will, and God just simply will not move, because if, you, if he moves in your life without you coming to him, then who's going to get the glory? 
something else. And we just said that God is God and he will never yield his glory to anyone. So this is the reason why I'm telling you right now why this tension exists in your life, why you can't seem to just walk, why you can't seem to just walk in the power of God is because there is a absolute design behind everything that God has. In the same way that we must go and consume water or we will die in three to four days is the same way that we must come to God in prayer on a regular basis to be filled with the Spirit of God, continually to approach the source through prayer, through communication with God so that He can fill us. It's the ultimate act of faith. It's the ultimate act of of humility and dependency. And it's the only way we can truly give God the glory in this life and honor Him with our lives is through our prayer life. And then He moves in our life, that's the design. That's the way that he designed it. And, I'll, I, I, and I just, I, I want to take this to a, a little bit different place. What this means is, I want to go back to the Ephesians scripture. It says, make the most, don't live, remember it says, don't live unwise, but be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. And the, how you make the most of every opportunity, the will of God is to be continually filled with the Spirit. So to approach the source in every opportunity, right? To approach him with a prayer. And this is what I want you to understand, is that God has everything that you need in every situation that you could ever come up with in this life. But that he's not going to give it to you until you come to him in prayer. Right? Until that becomes a part of your life, until you're dependent on him. And so we kind of stay away from this in the church. And I just want to, I just want to get Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. I just want to, I just want to kind of go here because I feel like that sometimes out of, we think out of almost like a selfishness, we don't really want to talk about this part of God, but it's an amazing part of God. God says, listen, I want, you know, you can ask me for anything right? I want you to come. He's the ultimate source, and he wants to do good in your life. He wants to pour things out in your life, but he's not going to ask. And so as I'm going through this, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for me to ask? What does that mean for me to come to God in every opportunity? It means for me to come to God in every opportunity. It means for me to wake up and come to God. It means for me to go to bed and come to God. It means for me to ride down the road and and come to God and, and to pour myself out in prayer and to ask and to ask and to ask and to ask. And you can never ask God so much. Why? Because God is unlimited. But I just, I'm going to teach you something about prayer, and I want to tell you that this is the desire of God. And if you haven't heard anything else, I want you to just kind of hear this, and I want you to, I would, my desire would be that you would add this to your life because it will highly affect your life and the way that you live forever, I promise you. I promise you. It's super simple. You can be mad at me because it's so simple, but I'm going to tell you this. This is a scripture that talks about when we, we come to God, the confidence that we have in coming to God. It says this right here. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Let's just read that. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So I want, you to, I want you to understand this because this, dude, this messed my life up in an amazing way. What this says is this is a promise from God to you through his scripture. If you ask anything according to my will, I'll hear you and I will give you that thing. And see, what we like to do is we like to come in behind God and we, well, but, no, there's no buts. Don't add anything. Yeah, but, but what, what he really meant was, no, you're not God. We already talked about the pride, deception. You're not God. You ask anything according to my will, I'm going to give it to you. So I'm going to tell you like this. We're going to use money just for a second because we all can relate to money because we all, you know, use it. Is it a part of God's will for you to be wealthy? Everybody's afraid to answer. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not God. 
Maybe that's a part of your will to be wealthy. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a part of his will for you to be dirt poor for your whole entire life. Maybe it's part of God's will for you to be the richest man, richest woman on the planet forever. I don't know. But what I do know for 100% is in God's will is that for you to honor God with your finances and for you to have the wisdom and the discipline to manage whatever resources you do have. Right? From Genesis to Revelation, you can go through, you can see that is clearly within God's will. It's in all through Psalms, I mean, all through Proverbs, Christ talks about it, Paul talks about it. So here's the thing. Here's the thing that I started to pray when I was younger because it's according to God's will. God, give me the discipline to manage whatever amount of resources you give me. Whether that's $50 a day or that's $5 million a day, whatever it is, God, whatever resources you choose to give me, give me the discipline to manage those resources. And God, give me uh, the desire and the discipline to honor you with my finances, no matter what that looks like. God, give me that. Something I started to pray when I was really young. I was 18 or 19. Because at the time, money was a huge part of my life. Money was something I wanted. Money was a huge idol in my life. And giving it to some of the crazy preachers at the time wasn't something I really wanted to do. But I had to pray and I prayed and God began to show me how to honor him with his finances. Show me, teach me how to manage that. And to this day, from that day to this day, I've never had credit issues really. I've never been, you know, I, I've never, we never made any horrible financial decisions. Right? It doesn't mean that I'm extra smart. It doesn't mean that I'm any better. It just means I'm not, that's not in my nature to be that organized with stuff. But it was something that I prayed for because it's in the will of God and God gave me that. Does that make sense? All right, so let's, just, let's just, so let's just think about this just for a minute. I want you to be happy with this. I want you to find joy in this, right? Raise your hand if you're the wisest man in the world. We already did the pride thing, right? All right, so a lot of you guys, you know, I want, you know, I need, I need to know how to do this. I need the direction I need to go. I need, I need, it's called wisdom, right? James 1, 5 says, listen, if you don't have wisdom, ask for wisdom. He'll give it to you unequivocally, right? The reason why you guys don't have wisdom because you don't ask for it. You try to make major decisions in your life without coming to God first. And nine times out of 10, God's gonna let that go awry so that you can remember next time to come to him. You need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. Wisdom's one of the greatest things on the planet. Wisdom's one of the most valuable things on the planet. Solomon says wisdom. This is the richest man on the earth, the most powerful man on the earth. One of the, th everything that you could think of, he accomplished this, this Solomon. He says, listen, wisdom is, is the greatest thing on the planet. And we have literally, you could pray for wisdom every single day of your life. God promises he will give you wisdom, yet we probably, most of us, that's not a part of our prayer life. I, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I realized how stupid I really was. And wisdom became, praying for wisdom in every situation became a massive part of my life. I pray for wisdom every single day because I am in desperate need of God's wisdom. Yet most of you guys, just I'm not condemning, I'm just saying, most of us, we don't pray for God's wisdom. We want to handle it in our own wisdom, in our own intelligence, and what makes sense to us. But we don't pray for that. We don't pray, God, give me wisdom. Another thing we never pray for that is so powerful and clearly in God's will is discernment, right? Discernment about relationships. Discernment about who, who should I date. Discernment about jobs I should take. Discernment about what school I should go to. Discernment, knowledge, understanding. These are things that are clearly in the will of God. He says, ask me for them, I'll give it to you. And there's no limit to what I'll give you. I will fill you with wisdom. I'll fill you with knowledge. I'll fill you with understanding. I'll fill you with discernment. I will fill your life. If you pray to me, if you ask me, I will do it unequivocally. Yet praying for discernment is not something we can pray every single day of our life. And you need it. Because people come in and out of your life all the time and they wreak havoc in your life because you're too foolish to pray for discernment to decide that this person doesn't need to be in my family's life at this moment, right? 
I mean, how many, you go back and you look, how many relationships did you get in that brought absolute destruction to your life and you're mad at God about it? But you didn't come to God in the first place and say, God, give me discernment. God, give me wisdom. God, show me your will. God, fill me with your spirit. God, lead me in this decision. God, make me, lead me, show me, guide me. He says, if you do these things, I will do them. The problem is, is you guys don't do it. She's hot, so I'll date her. Even though it'll bring three years of hell to my life, I would never be so foolish to bow down to God and ask him what he thinks. Even though he designed you and he designed her and God's well aware neither one of you should ever be together from now until the history of the earth. But you're like, but she's wearing the short skirt and the legs and I'm just gonna, you know, maybe it's worth three years of hell. I don't know. Right? And then we get in these situations, we get mad at God. Listen, God is unlimited. He is great. And I'm gonna tell you something. You're sitting here this morning and I don't, I hate, I feel bad saying this sometimes. Your arrogance is gonna destroy you. Because even right now in this moment, you're sitting here in this moment, you're sitting here, and I'm not talking about anybody, if, if, if your faith really isn't in Christ and, and you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you right now. You, you get a break. To the Christians in the room, to the ones you genuinely believe that, that God is your Savior, you believe that with all your heart, faith is in Christ, I'm telling you, you're foolish for not coming to God every single day of your life and asking for the things that God wants to give you. He wants to give you wisdom, discernment, you go down the line. All the fruits of the Spirit, clearly in the will of God, pray for them. He'll give them to you. All the gifts of the Spirit, clearly in the will of God, pray for them. He'll give them to you. Discipline, management, patience, handling money, handling finances, being wise, making decisions. God says, this is an open door in your life. Right? We always say, well, God's not a genie. Right? This is a prayer that kind of opens it. God says, listen, I want to be. That's one of his names. Yahweh the Elo is, is Jehovah Jireh. God the provider. It's one of his names. He wants to be the provider, right? He wants you to get that addiction out of your life. He wants you to be able to shut the computer. He wants you to be able to handle your finances. He wants your marriage to be successful. He wants you to raise your kids in the power. He wants you to walk powerfully. He wants you to live in the spirit. He wants you to find success in this life. He wants good things for you. But it's a part of his design for you to come and ask him so that he gets the glory for it. How many screwed up relationships are you going to find yourself in before you start coming to God with it? Like, how many sinful seasons of life are you going to live before you start coming to God about it? How long will you walk in arrogance and pride before you realize that God is God and that you need every ounce of everything that He could give you? And He's saying, dude, I'll give it to you. And I want to show you this. That's what he says in, in, in Matthew. This is Jesus talking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks the door will be open. Yeah, but isn't he talking about? No. He's not talking about anything. He's talking about the concept of prayer. He's talking about the concept of asking. He's talking about the concept of coming to him and asking him for the things that you need. He says, ask the door. Ask and you'll, you'll receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And then he goes on to give you an analogy. He says, if your kids were to come to you and ask you for bread, which of you would give him a stone? If your kids were to come and ask you for a fish, which of you would give you a snake? Right? He says, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, 
how much more would your Father in heaven be able to pour out good gifts into your life to those who ask? I want you to understand this. God wants to pour out good gifts in your life. He's just not going to until you ask. That's just part of the design. It's just part of the design. God will move in your life. If prayer is not a part in your life, God will move in your life, I promise you. But he will move in your life in such a way to humble you down before him and draw you close to him. That's it. If prayer isn't a part of your life, then he's going to spend the rest of your life trying to make prayer a part of your life. I'm going to ask you this question. Just listen to me. See, you're sitting here, some of and you're just kind of doubting. Wait, is this, I can ask God for anything. Yeah. And he'll give it to me. Yeah. But what about, no, there's no buts. Right? Prayer needs to be a part of your life because it's a part of the design and he will never withhold good things he wants to give you good things and I just want you to think about this I want to close with this God already gave you his son crucified him on a cross to free you from your sins he's already giving you life by creating you He gave you his son to die, to save you. So why on earth would he withhold anything else from you since he's already given you the two most important things you could ever get in this universe? Life and then the son that saved your life. I'm going to tell you something. Prayer is one of the greatest things that Christ ever gave us. And if you were going through this life without it a part of your life, I promise you, you may not get it today. You may, you may leave here mad I didn't preach a Christmas message. Right? We're having our Christmas service tonight. You need to come. I'll preach you a Christmas message. But I'm going to tell you something right now. This is one of the greatest messages you'll ever hear. This is one of the greatest truths in the existence of the universe. Prayer needs to be a part of your life. If prayer isn't a part of your life, by definition, what relationship do you have with God? And if we were just to read the Bible from front to back, and God says, I am unlimited, I am God, but I'm not going to yield my glory to anybody. So if you don't come to me and ask, I'm not going to give. Will God forgive your sins if you never confess them? He says, if you're sick, bring it, pray, and I'll heal. If you lack wisdom, ask for it, and I'll give it to you. Multiple times, he says, you have not because you asked not. For me, this is that thing. This is the reason why many of you, that tension that exists between this is who God says that I am, but this is who I really am. This is the marriage God says that I, I need to have or should have or could have, but this is, this is what I really have. This is the way that I should raise my kids, but I just can't seem to do it. And I'm telling you right now, prayer, the lack of prayer is one of the greatest reasons why that tension exists in your life. Christ died so that we could pray. It's not going to lead to a greater work. Prayer and communicating with God is the greater work. 
It's the only way to humble yourself before God. It's the only way to truly put yourself in dependency on God. It's the only way to truly live faithful. And it's the only way that God will reap the glory from your life. I'll say it again. If you don't pray, God's not going to move in your life. It's part of the design. But I want to show you what happens. I just want to, I want to tell you what happens when people pray. Great things. Great things happen. When people pray, great things happen. Couldn't tell you the specifics, but I can tell you when people pray, great things happen. God said, if you ask me, man, I'll give you good gifts. You know, the thing is, I don't even want to know the specifics. God, whatever your definition of good is, probably amazing. And I'll take all that, whatever you want to give me. God says, ask for it, and I'll give it to you. So as you're considering 2016 and you're looking into that and you're thinking, I want, I want 2016 to be better than 2015. I want it to be different. I want my walk with Christ to be different. I want to live differently. I want my marriage to be different. I want to, I'm telling you right now, add prayer to your life. If you're a baby Christian, you've just given the Christ and you've just started walking God, add prayer to your life. If you've been going to church for 50 years and prayer is not a part of your life, add it to your life. This is the thing that opens up the gates of heaven and moves the hands of God into this earth. I'm telling you, you cannot live without prayer as a Christian, period. If you guys will stand with me. God, I pray, Lord, this morning, every single person in the sound of my voice heard your word. God, I know, God, you can read through scripture, and if there's just a few people who just make prayer a part of their life, God, you just change the world with those people. I pray, Father, that this church, not that this church grows to be 10,000, not that this uh, church grows to be famous, not this church, I pray, Lord, ultimately that this church becomes full of people who will pray, full of people who will humble themselves down before you and pray, full of people who will pray for their marriages, full of people who will pray for their kids, full of people who will pray for your wisdom, full of people who will pray for salvations, full of people who will pray for you to move, full of people who will ask, full of people who will seek, full of people who will knock, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will fill this house with people who pray, that you will begin to open up their hearts and open up their minds, God, in, in every way imaginable, just to show them the deep necessity of prayer, God, that prayer is a part of the design, God, that if we are not praying, it's just like if we are not eating, we just can't operate the way we're supposed to operate. We just can't be strong without prayer. We just can't be effective without prayer, God. I pray, Lord, right now for every single husband in this room, God. I pray, Lord, that you will place a deep yearning in every single husband in this room to begin to pray daily for his wife and his family. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up husbands who will cover their wives in prayer. I pray, Lord, for wives, God, who will wake up every morning, go to bed every night, praying for their husbands and their families. I pray, Lord, that you will just put a, just a deep yearning in every single wife's heart to pray for their husband. I pray, Lord God, right now for parents that they will begin to daily pray for the lives of their children. Don't wait till it gets chaotic. Don't wait till chaos comes in, God. Let that just be a part of their life, to humble themselves before you and to pray for their kids, God. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up parents in this church who will daily spend time on their knees praying for their kids, God. 
I pray, Lord, that you will raise up people, God, who will make prayer a part of their life, who will pray, God, for you to move in this church. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up leaders, God, that will pray for their ministries, truly cover their prayers in ministry, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up new Christians, Father, who are just full of faith, God, who are just full of, of prayer, God, that will just cover their lives and cover this church and cover the leadership in prayer. God, I pray, Father, for leaders, God, for staff members, for elders who will understand the power of prayer and will pray daily for this church and for the work that you are doing here, God. And, Father, I ultimately pray that you will raise us up, Father, that you will use us God, in great and mighty ways, Father, that we might not be able to write down on paper where you're taking us or what you're doing, God, but that we know in the back of our minds, God, at the center of our hearts, Father, that you will move in this church. I pray, Father, that your presence will be ever clear, God, it will be, it will be an absolute no doubt for every person that walks in this room that your spirit is in this church, God. And I pray, Father, that we will all live a life where we are continually filled with your Spirit, God, where we continually approach the source, God. I pray, Father, that you will empower your people to walk with wisdom into 2016, God. I pray, Father, that you will fill this church with people who will pray, God. Fill this church with your presence. Fill this church with your Spirit, God. Your holy and your precious name.